what most people do, James, is they turn up on Google Plus and they put a post out and they go, oh, nobody plus one did, nobody commented, nobody shared. This place is quiet. Coming to you in your speakers from Dubai to all around the globe. This is James Reynolds Traffic Jam Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up there, listener? Welcome back to Traffic Jam, the podcast show that teaches you how to get more traffic, leads and sales and build a profitable audience online. I'm your host, James Reynolds, and this is episode number 35. Now, jamming with me on today's episode is Martin Shervington from plusyourbusiness.com for surprisingly a conversation all about Google+. Following, of course, Martin's interview, we'll have all of the regular segments, this week's news in traffic, the one-minute traffic tip, and of course, to play out the show, the Traffic Jam Jam, chosen by Martin. So what have we got on the agenda in today's interview? Well, we're going to be talking about Google Plus etiquette, effective content creation for Google Plus, using Google Plus communities, personalized search, building an engaged Google Plus following, some super ninja Google Plus circle tricks, and a whole lot more. The Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. Now, there'll be no fancy introduction from me this week. I'm going to instead leave it to Chris Brogan, who was our guest on episode number 10 of Traffic Jam, and of course, the author of the book, Google Plus for Business. Here's what he says about Martin and why you should absolutely listen into everything Martin says on this interview. He says, I love that Martin Shervington fellow. Follow him to know a lot more about Google Plus. Between him and Mark Traphagen, I have no interest in telling anyone a single thing about the platform. They've got it handled. Now, when that comes from Chris Brogan, you know that Martin knows his stuff. So on that note, let's move into today's interview and warmly welcome Martin Shervington. So welcome listeners, you're tuned into episode number 35 of Traffic Jam. This is of course the interview section and joining me across the airwaves in sunny San Diego today is Martin Shervington. Martin, welcome. Thanks for having me, James. It's great to be here and it's good to be talking to another Brit that's not even in his own country. Yeah, well, us Brits, we tend to escape, right? Like we'll, we'll try, and to, try and find a warmer, hotter, more um, interesting, enthralling environment and seek it out. I think like you and I have done. We're doing okay. We're doing okay. <laughs> now, Martin, you're a pretty big deal on Google Plus and you've got a significantly larger following than most. I think somewhere currently around the 340,000 mark as of today. Um, and not only that, you have a very high level of engagement on the platform. I think according to a, a report that I saw, you're somewhere in the top 500 of 500 million Google Plus users in terms of post engagement. What would you have to say to those critics who say Google Plus is a ghost town only used by Google employees? Uh, 
it's it's been a myth for a while um, that, that other platforms are getting so much more engagement and Google Plus is almost like the poor relation. And having just been at the Social Media Marketing World Conference and heard Mike Stelzner, who's the, uh, the conference organizer, stand up there and say, if you think this still, then really get on Google Plus and find out for yourselves. Because it, when what most people do, James, is they turn up on Google Plus and they put a post out and they go, oh, nobody plus one did. Nobody commented. Nobody shared. This place is quiet. It's like, okay, you don't understand what's going on. What happens is that as your network builds, more people start to see your content. And when more people see your content, more people can engage, have the opportunity to engage because they see that content in their streams. If you just turn up and put a post out, not building your network, then you'll find that it's a very quiet place. So it's almost you've got to, to reverse the thinking and give first um, before you start moving your content out um, onto your, your profiles, onto your pages. You've got to go and build your network through engaging with other people. So it's... It's a busy old place when it gets started, but people have to understand it's slightly different to the other platforms. Yeah, well, that's good. I mean, I don't want to talk too much today about getting started on the platform and, and setting up a profile because we have covered that pretty well with the likes of Chris Brogan and Ryan Hanley on past episodes. But I am very keen to talk to you about this topic of building an engaged platform, right. uh, engaged yeah. following on the platform. Um what do you think are the biggest mistakes people make creating content on Google Plus, other than what you've just said of just putting something out there and hoping that people react to it? What mistakes do people make on Google Plus? Shall, shall I, I'll make this for, for you, James. So we'll make it an intermediate advanced session for people. So I'll, I'll, I'll step it up. Now, Good. That the, sounds the, great. The, the first stage, we're going we're to have to start with a little 30 seconds of basics. The first stage that people need to do is to go out and engage with other people before they even consider themselves. And to do that, you plus one, you comment, you share other people's content. When you do that, other people start to engage with you. They start to add you back in. So that's the first thing. The next thing is you want to add in some circles and you want to join some communities and start interacting with people and their content there as well. Okay, that's the basic stuff. Then, and this is a technique I've used for well, the best part of two years, start thinking about uh, building your own circles based upon the way people are interacting with you. Now, what I mean by that is if people are engaging, then start to put them into circles where you recognize they are the ones that are engaging with you. Mm. And I tend to do a step-up uh, process where the more people that, that engage with me, well, sorry, the more that an individual engages with me, the more I then start paying attention to them. Because it, particularly if not, their content is relevant, I want to build the relationship. I want to be on the radar. So I have three circles set up. I have a new engagers circle if they haven't engaged before. I have an increased engagement circle. So that's when somebody who's a new engager, historically, they then keep on engaging. I say, wow, this person really starts to, you know, to get me and starts to connect with me. So I'm going to put them up a circle. And then once I find over a period of time that somebody is now really engaging, really evangelizing my content, which I'm going to come on to, then I move them into a brand evangelist circle, particularly in relation to a page. Now, everybody's going to have their own system. They're going to work it out for themselves. But essentially, what I'm saying is I want to find the 100 people who, when I post content, are running around telling everybody that this content is awesome. So the first stage is engage with other people, start to, to get them to know that you are interested in them. 
The next stage is start to build these circles so that when, and then we're moving on a step, when you put your content out there, the stuff that's really important to you, whether it's videos or whether it's blog posts, um, whether you're doing hangouts on air, then it's far more likely that the people that you've been engaging with will see that content, engage around it, and bit by bit you start to get these evangelists. And it is a case of reciprocation. This is the biggest thing on Google+. Unless people find, unless people feel that you're reciprocating, their attention moves elsewhere. Now, I'll pause there um, because I, I can take this a little further as we go in, James, but, but that's a system that I've used, and that's one of the reasons why I get good engagement. Now, is that all you've literally got set up? Is, is your sort of basic profile set up in terms of circles, literally three circles, or, or have you got it, <laughs> no. to, got it filtered down a bit more than that? Not quite. I mean, I don't know if I can give a shout out to an article that I've, that I've done, if that would be useful. Absolutely. And what, what okay, we'll do well, more so than that is we'll make sure that it's linked off in the show notes, especially as it's relevant content. So uh, the link will be in the episode page itself. Wonderful. Well, uh, there's an article on Social Media Examiner, which I gave step by step this process of how to find your, I think they, they had the name as how to find your um, 100 biggest fans on Google+. And that gives you this aspect of how I run my circles. Now, I have quite a lot of circles that have different purposes. And I'm going to give you some more detail around that because it will, it will help people to understand the process. But this is the foundation of it. And the, yeah, let's just say that. This, this, is, this is one aspect. Do you want me to go more into my circles and how I've got that set up, James? Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the nugget that you've just laid down there about um, the levels of connection is something that I've not heard of before. And I'm sure it's getting a few ears pricked up um, from Traffic Jam listeners. So, yeah, let's dive a little deeper into it. Okay, so this is all within the context of how I get the engagement that I get. And I think you're going to like this one because the next one is I build opt-in mini email lists using Google Circles. And Yeah, I thought you'd like that. (laughs) The way that I do it is I ask people, would they like to be in a circle in relation to subject matter? Now, I have lots of different varieties on this, but I'm going to give you one example. And... This, is, this isn't to be done as a beginner's thing. This is when people are a little bit further along. But let's say you want to build two lists because you have two different types of content. I might have uh, personal development content and I might have uh, Google Plus hints and tips. Yep. Well, on the personal development content, I may say, who wants to join my notification circle where I will give you some special content and notify you that on a weekly basis? And people opt into that. I then build a circle. And when I have that special content, for instance, a blog post, a new video, something like that, I can then share to public and notify that circle because they've agreed by email. And you do that by checking the box when it's available, as long as the circle's not too big and uh, and a few other factors, that appears when you have the option uh, on the sharing box, having added that circle in alongside public. Now, as it happens, the article that I mentioned has got a little bit more information on that particular feature. But what this does is it moves your content, not just from not just the notifications. You don't just see it in notifications on Google+. It moves it into Gmail for people or email. And they can then receive it in a way which is likely to punctuate their attention. 
because often notifications is a busy old thing and might get missed. So this is a mini opt-in list. And I use that regularly. So, that, so if I've got two different approaches, one personal development and one Google Plus hints and tips, it means that there could be different people receiving it as opposed to clumping them all into one place. Yeah. Now, there's another thing that I do with circles, if you want to take it probably to the next level up, which is I build circles for campaigns. And I say to people, who wants to be in a circle for, and I did this with uh, a Rubik's Cube campaign, um, because I've, I've become friendly online with the, the inventor of the Rubik's Cube called Erno Rubik. And so we ran a, a campaign for a day and I had around about 60 people that said they want to engage around that and we shared images. And the thing is, it becomes a seeding circle. By getting involved, I put out a post. Other people then receive that post in their email. They get the, the notification and they say, hey, I'm going to join in on this quickly. They share the content and because I used a particular hashtag, they are propagating that hashtag across Google+, and that trended at numbers 10 to number 5 for probably around about 8, 9 hours of the day. So this is when you start to take circles as a seeding mm. method uh, and bringing people together. So again, I, I do all of these things very much based on permission marketing. Yeah. Um, well, you know, if you ask people's permission and you keep to that promise, then people seem to be quite happy with receiving those notifications. Yeah, and I guess this is all down to segmentation as well. I mean, as you've so yeah. rightly said, making sure that you do divide up your audience into relevant categories or, or, or circles, really, as the, the correct terminology would be on Google+, and then making sure that those people only get the relevant message to the topic they're interested in, um, as much Absolutely. like you would do with with email, I guess. Now, I have yeah. got a I have got a follow up question, um, which you kind of glided over. So I'm I'm interested to get the exact strategy. How do you go about approaching those people for their permission? Is it literally a one to one message once you see people starting to engage with your content um, a little more? Now, there's several options. I can tell you how I do it, but this is only one method. So, well, in fact, I'm going to give you several different versions of, of this. When I started, what I used to do is have a new engagers circle and then around about 50 people in it. So these are people that are interacting with me and particularly sharing my content. I would then send them a private message saying, thanks so much. I'm going to share a public circle. And I would like to know privately would you like to receive notifications from me in the future? Now, they would then opt in at that point, and a certain percentage would opt in. Let's say 10, 15 people would opt in out of 50. And I would keep doing that process to build up the list. So that was one method that I used. When I put it out publicly, people wouldn't realize I, I, that, I, that I'd had that conversation with people, essentially. Does that make sense? I mean, I can get into complexities around this that may yeah. or may not use, but that, that was one method I used. Now, another method might just be publicly saying, who wants in? And people would opt in directly on the thread. Now, I know that other people do the one-to-one. -one. Would you like to be in a circle and have a private conversation? I happen not to have used that, but I think that it's a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. It's just a slower way, potentially. But it's all about relationships. So if it works, then I think it's the right thing to do. Yeah, and uh, you know, you've got a pretty sizable audience, so it, it may be more leveraged for you to, to do a, a sort of more of a, a broadcast approach where you sort of publicly give people the option to, to opt Absolutely. into that. I yeah. can do that now. And I think that there's a certain point where you can do that. But I think in the early days, people, they don't want to be a number. 
on Google Plus. You know, no. they want to feel that you are building the relationship. And the other side is, I, I, I make sure that I give things to the circles that is special. I will have private uh, conversations with them where they may get advanced content. And if there's a new video collection, they may get it a week ahead of everyone else. And that sort of um, approach makes them feel special, makes them feel respected, and builds the relationship. Now, everything has a phase in Google+. And I actually have, I have a, a, a course. You're the first to know this. I have a course coming out around this uh, because there's a tremendous amount to the system. But what I think is ultimately we're using the system that we've got, which is the, you know, the Google Plus circles, in a way that allows people to feel special. Mm. And, and everybody has to find their own way with it. This is the great thing. There isn't going to be one breaststroke marketing approach. Uh, what I'm hoping is that the methods that I'm using, the methods that I'm communicating and, and showing people, I'm hoping that they can be well, rolled out across the board. Um, and this is why I give so much content uh, because I, I want I wanted Google Plus to to work for marketers as well as for the, the the general person who's there just to have fun. Yeah, good. And the similarities between Google Plus as a platform and what you can do with it um, is very much aligned to what you can do with a very sophisticated, you know, contact management or you know email management system where you can sort of tag and segment people with. The, you know, with the tags that are relevant to, you know, to them and what they're interested in and then serve them up special information that's going to build rapport and 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 build that sort of connection um, with your audience. And uh, yeah, it's all available on Google Plus. Love it. Love it, Martin. Good. Well, I've got a question yeah. now a little around um, content just to dive into that a little bit yeah. more. Now, I think Google Plus as a platform is probably a little bit more business orientated than other social networks. However, I've observed you quite a bit and I see that you post a lot of non-business content, um, pictures of sunsets, cats sliding around on wooden floors. Um, is it important, especially in this kind of people-driven semantic web that our friend David Amland would talk about so much to, to kind of bring a bit of a balance to your content on Google Plus? Is it important? So, my content strategy is to build relationships using the content. And if you just post business stuff, no, if I, there we go, James, if I just post business stuff all day long, I know a large majority, well, not majority, but a large segment of my audience all around the Google Plus stuff generally are going to get turned off. Because some people want all the Google Plus hints and tips, and they don't want to see how to use this in business. So my audience, I have to understand that my content represents me to the whole of my audience when I share it all publicly. So let me, let me give people a bit of a, an insight into to how I approach it. I will post something in the morning to start the day. I will post something in the evening to end the day. Now, that means that it's capped. Everyone knows that I've turned up and I've left. And it's usually quite early. It's usually 7, 8 o'clock in the morning, usually 9 o'clock at night. Everything else in between is just whatever I do, whatever campaigns I'm running, um, whether it's Google Plus hints and tips, whether it's social media, um, whether it's a little bit of comedy, whether it's personal development, TED Talks, all of that is contained within that. And it means that if people are following me, that's what they get from me. Now, if I just post business stuff all the time, 
the people who are into personal development, the people who want me to be vaguely amusing, they will just go elsewhere. They certainly wouldn't have me on Notify, and they may not have my content appearing very um, on full blast in their stream either. So my approach has been formed by the network. Now, there's a lot more to how I run the campaigns and, and when I'm trying to, um, to build community engagement around content that will then surface in search. There's a lot to all of that. Mm. Um, but, but the reason why... It's David Ameland and I, uh, David's a, a great friend, and we talk about it. And, and he knows I, I've got to keep it human. Yeah. Otherwise, we just get seriously tacky, and we want to be broader than that, both of us. So, so that's, why, that's why you'll get cat gifts on weekends, James. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm sh- uh, yeah, I, I certainly picked up your Rubik's Cube posts a few weeks ago and enjoyed watching the, the videos there. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's true testament that, you know, that sort of more fun content certainly cuts through all of the other sort of the business-related stuff and, and certainly builds rapport um, that otherwise would be very difficult just posting business content day in, day out, right? Absolutely. But there's another bit that people uh, may not realize is, for instance, when I run a campaign like the Rubik's Cube campaign, it's very structured. And that structure then gets written up. And then the social network analysis will happen by Lee Smallwood, who's uh, from Nodex. And we will then publish that as this is how we did it, folks. Mm. So all of the campaigns have an intent, which is, yeah, let's have fun. But I'll then be writing up exactly what happened, so that it's it's a business case study. Yeah, because we can understand that the the levels of seeding that are required in order to get something trending on Google Plus at this moment in time, without it being yeah, it's twenty people, fifty people, a hundred. I can tell you exactly, and we can show you what we did, and we can see the volume of posts. So there's a lot of insight to be had from having fun sometimes and just playing, and it brings the community together for that period of time. So there's a lot of intent around why I do things as I do it. Um, and I do enjoy those campaigns. And I, and I get more creative every time because you can't just repeat the same thing again. I mean, we did a plus the Zuck one and trended number one for two hours and then uh. number two for about nine, nine hours. And that was about a month ago. Um, and that had 3,000 people involved. Wow. So, yes, it's fun and that's great. But then the case studies... Um, are getting looked at by some some pretty serious people because nobody else at the moment has been taking this approach. Yeah, and and that's you know is great that Plus Your Business is getting the attention. Now, act- active users on Google Plus seem to be very respectful, um, at least generally, and there there seems to be a few kind of unwritten rules of etiquette, like for instance, always acknowledging the originating source of the content that you share. Now, what Google Plus etiquette should our listener, kind of ready to double down on Google Plus, be aware of? Oh, do you know what? I've never done a post on Google Plus etiquette, so now, so now I'll get quoted on all the things. So. I think the, the, the first one, let's look at the origination of the source. Very often, you'll find that somebody shared something, you want to share it, and somebody will H forward slash T, which means hash, hat tip, which just says that even that you found it via somebody. That's what that one is. And I think that's an important thing because it gives a little shout out that somebody else found the information. Okay, there's that one. The next one is communities. If people drop links without context into a community 
that's more likely than not, based upon the community guidelines, to be considered a spam. So that's another one. Don't do that. Um, another one is, oh, I, don't, you know, I haven't really thought through the etiquette for a while. Do you know what the big thing is? Google Plus shapes you, and there's a tendency for people to think and to see that it's better to be nice than not. <laughs> so I, I, when it, you, you tend to find the culture to be different to, for instance, Twitter. I notice on Twitter, you know, people, when, when events are going on, make comments, and it's just whatever thoughts come into their head. They put it out there, and it's, it's running wild then. On Google+, Plus, because you can edit comments after, because there's no hurry. It's not this fast-running stream of stuff that, that's based in, in a moment in time. These, each post is its own URL. It lives uh, you know, in search, potentially, for, for a long time. So people tend to be a little more considered. And I think that's something that, that when people arrive, they're quite surprised about. There really is a different culture based around the system that Google have given us. So I think just consideration to think that you, know, you want to build relationships so what would be good in this situation? Okay, there's that one. Okay, I've got another big one because we're talking about circles. Don't click that notify by email unless you have permission. That's my biggest one, actually. It, is, it really does wind Oh, I've got another one. Oh, no, I'll stick with that one. <laughs> it really does wind people up um, to receive unsolicited emails from people. There we yeah. go. There's a few there for you, James. Fantastic. I'd like to sort of expand a little bit on this sort of concept of link dumping on Google Plus, because in and of itself, Google Plus certainly favors that longer form style of content just purely by its nature of design. And I think because we're talking on a, a traffic show here, it's called Traffic Jam. Um, yeah. What advice would you have for moving people from Google Plus to your website? Um, because for many people, the intention will be to move people to their site itself that isn't just involving dumping a link and then hoping that people will click on it. Well, we've now got to, we're going to bring the whole lot together in this bit. So let's now look at the value of engagement on the content that allows it to surface in search. This is what it's all about. This is what the, uh, the, the strategy I use with circles, building niche circles around topic areas, when those people engage on your content, and the circles are just a way to make sure they get the, uh, that it gets attention, when they engage on the content, if they have authority around an area in particular, then that authority starts to move towards you and your content. So that engagement can flick the content into search in a way which no engagement is less likely to. So engagement, these are the broad brushstrokes here, James, but engagement will allow your content to surface in Google search in higher positions than no engagement. Mm -hmm. Now, what this means is that you can use this for social SEO, which from a traffic point of view is awesome. Mm -hmm. So I've done this. If, you, if people search, I mean, usually when I say this, uh, yeah, it, it comes out okay. But if people search for what is Google right now as a search term and they bring it up incognito, they'll probably find that one post I've written has either the top spot or certainly within the first few for what is Google. Now, that has brought me 123,000 uniques from that post, not just that search term, because it's from that post. Wow. So it's what is Google Plus is the post. So we're talking traffic. So the methods that I use 
are built around get engagement. That engagement sends a signal to Google search that this content is important based upon these people that are interacting with it. That then turns into the search position, which leads to your uh, leads to your traffic. So the approach is social, search, site. Those are the things to be thinking about. And then the final bit is on the site, have your plus one buttons so that people can share that back into the Google plus one, share it back, allowing it to flow back into Google plus, which allows it to be signaled as increased engagement. That's the flow of all that process. That's a, that's a model that I've been working on consistently and it is awesome. <laughs> and this also is affected by your connections, right? I mean, um, I'll actually probably use an example here, which I sort of tested out prior to the interview. If I am logged into Google and I search for Google Plus for business, your website is shown to me at number five position, I think, um, because I'm connected to you on Google Plus. But when I'm logged out and I search in an incognito window, you appear, I think, at number 10, um, clearly showing that the fact that we're connected on Google Plus does influence where your result appears to me within the search results. That's also what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Well, that's then another bit, which is the personalization side, mm. which is why building your network is so important. Yeah. Because absolutely right, us being connected means that, that I and you influence search results. Yeah, got it. I think we'll also link back to what is, I think, two episodes prior to this, um, an interview that I did with uh, Mark Traphagen, which was also around the topic of sort of author rank and authorship using Google Plus, because this is very relevant to the conversation we're having here. And I think we'll add a lot more value to listeners if they've not checked out that episode yet. Now, for our conversation, Martin, I'd like to leave and wrap things up asking you about tools because everyone loves a good tool that might help them improve, you know, improve their productivity on Google plus and, and help manage their profiles a little better. What little tips and, and tools have you got that might be a good add on for what people are doing in Google plus? I've got a few, a few tools I use. Um, can I start with pages? Because this is, this is one of my favorites is using buffer uh, for distribution of content via a page. You can't do it via a profile at the moment. But I love that. So what I do is use that and then one called Friends Plus Me to distribute from the page directly um, to, for instance, LinkedIn. And if people aren't using Buffer, then I, I can tell you it, it transforms how you manage your day because you, you've got content scheduled ready to rock and roll. Now, some people use Hootsuite, but I use Buffer. That's the one for the uh, the page. Now, for my profile. The one that I'd say, if you're looking for a slightly more advanced approach to things, then check out Nodex, which is N-O-D, then 3x.com. Uh, that's a social network analysis tool, uh, which I mentioned that we, we use around campaigns. Now, that is a step up. That's getting into the advanced territories. But if you want to know what reach there is on Google+, Plus for everyone's content, for hashtags and far beyond, then that's going to give the insight. Fantastic. Well, Martin, I'm going to give you the, the floor back um, for one last time. Is there any sort of passing final tips or tricks that you'd like to pass on to Traffic Jam listeners just before we close out this episode? Any sort of last comments from you? Well, thanks, James. Yeah, I think let's just return to that model. Social, build your network. Find people that are the most 
important people for you to connect with that are potentially already influencers that you want to build a relationship with. And in turn, they will then start to see you as an influencer when they engage around your content and realize the value that you add. That's, that's the, the social. Then using the circles, think about getting the engagement up on your, on your post that will allow the search to indicate that you are an authority in this particular subject area. Then when they come to your site, make sure you've got that plus one button. So that allows people to engage on the content directly from your site to flow it back into social. And it really will transform how you view getting traffic when you use this kind of process. Martin, that's absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time and your expertise. I really have felt this is a thoroughly enjoyable episode and I'm sure listeners out there are getting a huge amount of value from it. So thank you for appearing on Traffic Jam. Hopefully sometime again in the future, we can revisit this topic and bring you back on board again. Absolutely. I'd love to come back, James. Thank you. This week's news in traffic. So to the first story this week, we head on over to Twitter, who've announced a new look for their web profile. Now, this is actually a story I picked up on today, having checked out someone else's Twitter timeline and seen a large wide cover photo style picture at the top of their Twitter feed. Now, according to Twitter, this new update allows for a larger profile photo a customizable header section and also a section where you can show off your best tweets. Now, here are some of the main features. Firstly, pinned tweet. And this is the ability to pin one of your favorite tweets to the top of your page so it's easier for your followers to see what you're all about. The second sort of big update is best tweets. And this is where tweets that have received more engagement or interaction will actually appear slightly larger. So your best content is always easy to find when someone checks out your profile. And the third major update is filtered tweets. Now, this gives you the ability to change the view by which you look at someone else's profile. And you can select from these following options, tweets only, tweets and photos and videos, or tweets and replies. Now, this kind of new look and feel certainly seems somewhat Facebook page-esque, dare I say it. So I don't know if Twitter are really trying to follow suit on what Facebook are doing, but the look and feel certainly has some similarities. Go check it out on your own profile. I do believe the functionality is available already and uh, perhaps post a comment in this week's episode show notes page and let me know what you think. Staying firmly in the Twitter stable, Twitter UK have created an own the moment tool to help real time marketers. Now, whether you call it real time marketing, news jacking or joining the conversation surrounding a news event, marketers are always looking for opportunities to insert their brands into online banter about current events. Now, to help with this task, Twitter's United Kingdom and Ireland small and medium business team has created an interactive calendar tool called Own the Moment Planner. Now, I'll make sure that that planner is linked off to in today's show notes. If you want to go check it out, it is very much Euro focus with reminders for things like the World Snooker Championship coming up this uh, Saturday and the Eurovision Song Contest final on May the 10th, just in case you want to check it out. I 
don't believe there's any US version right now or a UAE version or for anywhere else in the world other than the United Kingdom, but still worth checking out. Should you be looking to hijack news stories? Well, that's a question you might have to answer yourself. I would certainly recommend acting with caution. There are some stories which are certainly inappropriate to jump on, such as the Malaysian Airways missing flight, which a, a company I saw trying to sort of promote off the back of a few weeks ago certainly didn't do themselves any favours. So be careful which stories you get upon. Certainly make sure that those stories are aligned to the target market that you want to attract and really make sure that it's going to be worthwhile injecting your own story into those events. To the third story of the day, I go to a report that I picked up from marketingland.com and that is that advertiser revenue from Facebook ads rose 191% year on year versus a 12% increase from paid search. While paid search does still dominate ad budgets, Facebook ad spend is growing faster than ever, both on a quarterly and an annual basis. Now, spending on paid search rose 10% versus a 37% increase in spend on Facebook advertising year over year. So the story is here, of course, that both channels are still absolutely working. And if you're not utilizing one or both channels, then you're probably missing out on a lot of available traffic. Certainly look into Facebook advertising if you're not doing it yet, because I do believe there's a lot of available opportunity still existing on Facebook. A big tip of my hat and a general nod of appreciation in the direction of Ralph, who's left a quite awesome Stitcher review this week. And he says, James never ceases to amaze me with every episode. He's got the top guns in the industry as guests and he does his homework by doing the prep work really well. I love the tiny tidbits about each guest. Marketers need not look further. James has got the most important topics covered on every episode. Well, thank you, Ralph. That's quite awesome. I really, really do appreciate you stopping by and leaving your support for the show. And as I say, as always, the best way to show your support for Traffic Jam is by leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher, or indeed by leaving a speakpipe message over at trafficjamcast.com. And if you want to leave an audio recording of what you think about the show, perhaps with some suggestions for me as well, you can do so by heading to trafficjamcast.com, scrolling to the base of the site and then clicking on the leave a voice message function. So there or Stitcher or iTunes really is the best way to show your appreciation for Traffic Jam. The one minute traffic tip. Okay, so I'm going to call this week's tip speed up your site and speed up the rankings. Now, websites that take many seconds to load in a browser create a bad experience for users. And because of that, Google demotes in its results any website that is slow loading. So one of the easiest ways you can increase your website's load speed and therefore its ranking is to get faster website hosting. Now, if you're currently paying less than, say, 200 dirhams per month, about $50 or so, then you're probably not paying enough to host your website. 
To get top rankings, you need performance hosting, such as a dedicated server, which will probably set you back about $150 or perhaps a little bit more. Or better still, get a specialized hosting provider like WP Engine for WordPress that we use on the bravo.com website, and that will set you back about $100 per month. We went through this exercise recently and witnessed about a 15% increase in search traffic as a result of faster website hosting. Thank you for listening in to episode number 35 of Traffic Jam. I will, of course, be back in about seven days from now with episode 36, where I'll be joined by Mr. Utility himself, Jay Bear from convinceandconvert.com. So another not to be missed episode. Remember to subscribe via iTunes and Stitcher Radio. And for a direct link to all Traffic Jam episodes, go to trafficjamcast.com where you can join the discussion on this episode and get links to all of the resources mentioned in today's show. Also head on over to veravo.com for more traffic tips and training and to learn how I can help you get more traffic, leads and sales from the search engines. Now we end this week's show with a little bit of thievery corporation and it's chosen by the fantastic Martin Shervington. See you next week.
You've been listening to the Traffic Jam Podcast with James Reynolds. To know more about this program and to subscribe for future episodes, check out the website, trafficjamcast.com.